Inside 20 is brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia. Head on over to tradbowga.com for more info. Inside 20 is a separate entity from our sponsors. The information shared during each podcast are the beliefs of Inside 20 Associates and the guests participating. Welcome to the show. Today, we're speaking with none other than one of our own, Tim Chanel. Tim has been hunting for many years and has recently picked up the stick bow full time. Here we go. I guess I'm going to be explaining my journey into picking up the stick bow in traditional archery. Um, it, uh, it's been, it's been quick, but it's also taken time. Um, 2015, uh, I think it was early 2015. When Matt, when did I meet you? Um, mm. Yeah, it's probably somewhere around 2015. Yeah, it was it was 2015 because I'm basing my job off of it because I remember where I was working then. So yeah, early 2015, I met Matt, and um, if I know anything about Matt, he probably did mention the first time I met him that he shot a traditional bow. So um, when I did find out about it, uh, I was like, yeah, that's that's cool, but I mean that's just a little hardcore for me, like. I can go out there and accomplish the same thing with a rifle. And I did. Um, not very successfully. I would mainly call it luck because I don't really know if you would call it hunting, you know? I mean, you can. You can call it hunting, but what I was doing, I don't think you could really call hunting. My dad used to always bust my shots because I would tell him, yeah, I'm going hunting tomorrow. And he's like, nah, you're not. You're, you're going out there and, and sniping. Um, and this is just for me. Um, not to say... Hunting with a rifle is, is, is not hunting, because it most certainly is. Um, but this is, you know, just my transition, my journey. I want to make that clear. Um, so, a few successes with the rifle. Um, shot my first deer. Um, killed my first buck. Uh, all that happened in one season. I think that was, uh, I think that was also 2014. I mean, I haven't been, haven't been at this long, and, um, yeah, I, I started that, and I mean, it was, I had a great time while it, while it lasted, but I, you know, I quickly wanted more, and I think a lot of that was, um, from my dad, um, and what he thought about it, so I switched over to the compound, I bought a Hoyt, um, got it all set up, got the arrows flying good, man, and I was after it. And I was seriously hunting then um, uh, for a few years. I mean, no success, no success until um, until I think this was when did when did all this happen with that buck? So I started shooting traditional last year, last August. Um, then That's two I, years ago, right? Yeah. So it was. I think it was uh, 2019. Um, I was hunting about 45 minutes away from my house, uh, long drive, um, had cameras out, was looking at these bucks, and uh, someone actually tipped me off to a buck that was on the property, and when I saw the first picture of it, I was like, oh my goodness, that's a giant. I mean, it had 12 points, just a beautiful deer. Um, so I, I, started, I started getting info, and I, I moved in on it. Well, lo and behold, this was a deer that I had on camera two years previous to that. 
uh, I had him on camera. I mean, the first time I had him on camera, he was he was small, but he still I mean he he still was a good deer. I mean, just a little basket rack, but you know he had potential. Um, the following year, I had him in front of my stand, a stand that Matt actually hung for me. Um, it was a lock on, and you climbed up the tree and you got onto a fallen tree that was connected to that tree and then you climbed up in the stand. I mean, it was a perfect spot. It had a cover right in front of it. It was a great spot. Right on the edge of a big, probably 50 acre, 60 acre field, lake. The, edge, the other side was a swamp. It had funnels. I mean, this was a good spot. Um, I had this deer come in and I had my compound. I mean, he was at 10 yards. Um, but this was a year previous to the year I saw him when he, when he really blew up. Um, and I didn't shoot him. You know, and that was success for me. I mean, I, I, I could have killed that deer 10 times that, that evening. Uh, I didn't. He walked on. He lived another another day. But the following year, the first time I saw the deer, I didn't know that it was the same deer. Um, I soon found out. I soon, you know, put those pieces together. And, you know, the neighbor tipped me off. I didn't know it was the deer. Um, so I started moving cameras around, trying to find him. I found him. Um, and from there, I really started honing in on him. Um, I was hunting out of a lock-on stand and, you know, lock-on stand and a climber. So I would move that climber around to wherever my camera was. I'd get him on camera one time in this area. I'd move there and set up on him. Um, then I finally, you know, found some success. I, um, I was sitting in a clear cut that had grown up. I mean, it was standing loblolly pines, um, big trees, big enough to climb. And there was some undergrowth. Um, and I got up in a tree that had a sweet gum growing up beside it, so I had some cover. And I was sitting there, um, not paying attention, relaxing. I hear something crack to my to my right. I look down, and this deer staring at me, and I couldn't even move. And it was just a split second later, he bolted, just gone. Uh, I see him stop at the top of the hill, look back, and just walk off out of my life. I'm like, well, that deer's gone forever. You know, I'm never going to get another shot at him. Um, I kept trying, though, and he came back on camera. Came back on camera. Every time, I would, every time I'd set up a camera, I'd have him on there. It was not constant, though. I mean, it was very sporadic. So I started thinking, like, man, if I really want to find this deer, I need to get to his bedding area. You know, I'm, I'm, I was not a good hunter then, but I knew I needed to get to his bedding area. So I moved the camera literally 100 yards into... Um, into a little thicket. It was still the, the clear-cut pines. Um, you know, there were standing pines there. Um, but it had a big patch of privet, uh, probably 15 acres of just like this nasty, terrible privet. I moved the camera over there. Lo and behold, I started getting them right before the sun went down on camera. So I went over there and I hunted them. Within, I would say, a week, I... Um, I saw the deer. He was 50 yards. Oh, it, it excited me. I was, man, I was pumped up. Um, I let him walk off, of course. I, I, I couldn't take that shot. Not with the compound. I know there's guys out there that can, but me, no, I knew my limits. And yeah, it was, a, it was a dang good call because I have, I had a lot more experiences with this deer. Um, one morning I, um, I pull up to the gate to get into the property and the deer is standing at the gate. And he looks at me and turns around, he bolts. And I'm like, well, man, this sucks. Like, <laughs> what do I do now? Do I go hunt this deer, the only deer that I'm really pursuing this year? Do I go hunt him or do I just leave and, 
you know, not waste my time in the morning. Because uh, I was getting up early. I mean, I was I was getting in the stand an hour before the sun came up. I mean, I was I was hunting this deer. Like I had I had zoned in on him. Um, and I went and I hunted. Of course, you know, I didn't see him. I would always see a few deer, but I, I you know, there was some some scraggly looking bucks come through and you know i remember there was a um a mom a doe and a fawn that would uh that would come through every day and they would just i mean it was clockwork they would come through every day um so i left you know started um started watching my cameras again and he, he you know he comes back in there well i mean the gate was 400 yards from you know where i was hunting met no probably farther than that i mean as far as the way a crow flies, yeah, he was probably four or five hundred yards. So, I was just, you know, I was bummed out because, you know, I'm still naive. I still um, don't know a whole lot. And I know a lot more than I did then. And I thought, man, that deer's just like, he's way away from where I'm hunting. Like, this sucks. You know, that's nothing to a deer. You know, Absolutely. you know, he'll he'll make that journey in no time. Absolutely. You know, he'll cross that big field and uh, be in that clear cut and, you know. He'd be over there in 20 minutes sure. if he really wanted to, less than that. Um, so uh, those were my first two experiences with the deer. And, you know, at this point, I really felt like I'm hunting, man. This is hunting. You know, I'm zoned in on something. Uh, I'm getting up early, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm here an hour before the sun comes up. I'm sitting. I'm putting in the time. Yeah. Um, yourself. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, I had buddies that hunted. I mean, I had a I had a group of guys that got me into hunting, but that's that's falling off. None of them really hunt anymore. You know, I'm the only one that's taken it, you know, farther. Um, so I would talk to them a little bit, but you know, they didn't they didn't know anything really either. So I mean, to me, I felt like you know I'm doing this. I'm doing this on my own. So it was cool. Um, the second, this no, the third experience I had. I mean, same as the first. He comes in walking that path. 50 yards, you know, 50 yards away, same path, right at the top of a little hill, right by the, the privet, you know, the big old privet patch. Um, I'm like, dang, man, you know what, I'm going to come back tomorrow, and I'm going to set up on that path that, you know, that he's, uh, that he's walking in on, you know, and that was my game plan, like, he's done it twice, surely he'll do it three times, it'll be game over. Well, I did that a few times, you know, set up, set up, nothing, nothing. Um... It's a good game plan, though. It's you a good see, game plan. You do it two or three, yeah. twice, why not the third Yeah, round? so I'm, I'm hunting. You know, I take my climber. I'm over in the woods. I'm, I'm hunting. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hunting that spot where I see him walking. I'm, I'm talking. I'm sitting right on the spot where he's walking. Like, you know, he's walking right there 10 yards in front of me, you know, if he would he would have been there. So, you know, probably not the wisest. Probably a good thing that didn't happen. Sure. Um, so I decide, you know, it's easier for me just to go and sit in that lock-on. Um, I go... Um, I, I feel like I had one more experience with this deer, but I just can't remember. I know I saw him twice and at the gate. Well, I'll get to the spot. I'll get to the point that really changed it and made me want to make the switch to traditional archery. So, I'm sitting there one morning. I get there early, sitting there, sitting there. About nine o'clock rolls by, nine thirty, and um, I think I'm messing on my phone or just sitting back, not paying attention probably moving moving around a bunch um something catches like out of the corner of my eye it's like probably two o'clock and it's coming straight at me and um it's coming straight at me from two o'clock and 
it's this it's this deer, and I knew right away it's the deer. I mean, he's coming straight at me. Of course, I had a, I you know I had a corn pile there. I had a, you know he was coming to it. Um, that's 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 what it was. Um, so I get up, I get in position, I get my range finder in my hand, I get my bow in my hand, making sure my peep sight hadn't hadn't moved around on me, you know, because sometimes it'd turn a little sideways. I didn't have all that figured out yet. Um, you know, had an arrow knocked, and this deer, I mean, he's he's steady coming. I mean, he's closing in. He's like thirty yards. He's twenty yards. He's not stopping. He's you know straight at me. I mean, his nose is coming right at me. The sun gun comes, and I mean, he comes to the base of the tree. I mean, I don't know. It must have been five yards. I mean, I'm looking right down at his back. I'm like, okay, it's game time. This is game over. I get my I get my range finder out. I'm shaking. I look down. I try to get. I try to see what I'm at. I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put the ten yard pin on him. It's gonna be game over. I pull back. Put the ten yard pin on him, and I shoot. Goes right over him. Right over him. Just you know, it's it sucks. You know, lots of people are like, man, I wouldn't tell that story. But this is what this is what brought me here. This deer. I mean, I'm attributing it to you know partially Matt for you know getting me here. But this deer is, you know, the other half that made me want to make a switch. I was so frustrated with my equipment. Yeah, you know, I can't blame it all on my equipment. It wasn't. It was me. It was me using the equipment that got me here. And I was like, man, I need something. This this is terrible. I don't remember if I called you. I think I called you and told you about it. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I definitely called Matt. Yeah, I think right. Matt was one of the first one. Yeah, you were the first one I called, I believe. So, yeah, I dude, I missed it. I'm up here hugging the tree. I can feel my throat, you know, filling up with egg and spit. I, it was so emotional, dude, because I had literally I had hunted this deer so hard, and um, from that point on, it was uh, it was different. It was like, man, I'm not, you know, I'm done with all these gadgets. You know, as much as I love, you know, gadgets and, and stuff, I, I'm done. This is I want I want to do something where I don't have to. I can rely on me, you know, and that's what brought me into traditional archery. Is that deer and that experience um so moving on the deer you know a few weeks go by and you know he's still coming on camera I didn't spook him too bad he didn't know he didn't know what happened I mean I don't think he ever knew I was there well the neighbor said they had leased it but um, you know the landowner hadn't gotten any money yet so I wasn't in you know communication really with the with the landowner you know he was a, an old guy I didn't talk to him much I had permission. Um, neighbor comes to me one time, one day, and was like, hey, um, you know we lease this land now, right? And I was like, oh, really? No, I had no idea. It was a bummer. I was bummed out. And I was like, well, am I, you know, am I, am I off of it? And he was like, no, man, we're not going to kick you off. Um, it's like, you just keep hunting where you're hunting, and, you know, we'll find another spot. You know, there's plenty of land out here. Well, I get, I get a call one evening, it's the neighbor, and he said, man, we're going to, you know, you're hunting, you're hunting. I showed him where I was hunting, you know. I didn't tell him anything about the deer, but, you know, he's the one who kind of tipped me off to the deer. So, um, he's like, man, um, I kind of want to go hunt over there where, where you're hunting at, in, in the same area. Well, I go, well, you know, <laughs> you're leasing the land. You know, I can't say no, you know, that's the right thing, you know. Absolutely, you know, Go. Uh, he's like, well, let's just do this. Let's let's me and you let's walk in together tomorrow. That way we don't bump each other. I was like, okay. I get there early. I get there about an hour before, you know, an hour before um, the sunlight even begins to peak up, just so I can sit. 
Maybe not the best idea. Maybe it's a good idea. I, I still don't know. Uh, certain situations, I believe. But I said, okay, well, get out there. It's the neighbor, neighbor's buddy, neighbor's brother. Um, they got a rifle and uh, wow. two rifles on a compound. And I'm like, like, well, this sucks. You know, I'm still under the impression that they had leased the land. Um, well, I, um, I, uh, like, you know what, whatever. There's still a good chance I could kill this deer today. Crazier things have happened. I go out there, I get up in my, I get up in my dang, um, lock on. And I look, <laughs> and about 75 yards in front of me, there is, uh, an orange vest. And I can see it with my binoculars. An orange vest sitting there with the rifle, and it's pointing my direction. I'm like, oh no, this is, this ain't gonna work. Turn around, about 50 yards behind me, two orange vests up in a tree, 50 yards behind me. I mean, they're, they're close. I mean, we're within basically a football field. We're all hunting a football field is basically how wow. it is. Um, so I'm sitting there, I, you know, this is all after the sun comes up. And I'm just like, man, I just kind of want to stay put. You know, I texted a neighbor, said, tell him not to shoot me. You know, he sees me, right? So he sees you, he sees you. You know, I'm a little aggravated at this point. I kind of feel like I got honed in on, but man, that's, you know, it's part of hunting, I guess. That's the, that's the part nobody wants to talk about. It's the part that sucks, you know. It's the part that, you know, everybody is right, you know. I'm right in this situation, they're right in their situation. Um, you know, this is a part. I'm telling you, white-tailed deer will make good Christian men uh, do things that you wouldn't think they would do. I'll be honest, it's, it's the truth. I mean, if you haven't experienced it, you're lucky. Because I experienced it the first couple of years I was hunting. I saw it firsthand. Um, so anyways, I'm up there, 9.30 rolls around. I see the orange vest in front of me, get down out of the tree, walk out. At 9.30? 9.30. I get a text. He said it was cold. He's going to the house. So I said, awesome. Okay, good. About two or three minutes later, I hear Boom, boom, boom. And I just, I mean, it was a sinking feeling in my stomach. I was like, I know it, I know it. And I texted him and I said, what was that? He said, man, he just shot the 12, he just shot the 12. And this is where I probably should have just relaxed a little bit and just calmed down. I just said, I'm out, man. I got down out of the tree. I, I threw my lock on, everything down. I carried it all out one trip. My bow, my bag, my lock on, the sticks, everything. And I left. And, you know, there was some stuff that happened after it, but it's just the, you know, it's just the part. You know, it's, uh, people think they own the deer. I, you know, to be honest, I kind of felt entitled to first shot at that deer, which I had a shot at that deer, which is part of the reason it makes it so bad. But that was, um, that was, um, lots of people say that was a very unsuccessful year, but I think that's the best year I've had so far because um, it motivated me to want to, you know, want to make the switch to the traditional bow. And I'm so glad I did because every piece, the whole traditional realm just appeals to me. Everything from the custom handmade stuff that goes along with the bows to making your own bow or making your string, which I don't do yet. One day, one day I would like to. Um, Everything appeals to me. I mean, that's just, just just my thing. I think it's great. So, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm going to call it a blessing that all that happened. But that's kind of my journey into getting into it. And, you know, I knew Matt. And 
I mean, he was the man, so he he you know showed me showed me everything. He still does basically everything I know. Um, he still helps me tune my arrows because I suck at it. I mean, I haven't even been at this a full year, but I know it's like something. I've I've told Matt and Mike that if I stop hunting with a traditional bow, I'll quit hunting. Period. Because there's nothing else that I could hunt with that would make sense anymore. Um, I mean, we have record of that. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's kind of my journey, and it's um, it's been a long one. Um, you know, I remember you calling me that day, and how how uh, defeated you sound, and I felt defeated for you because the whole time we had had been um, uh, had been talking about that deer for a, a year and a half, two years. <laughs> yeah, had yeah, we had. It, it was a long journey. I mean, there was a bunch of trail cam pictures, plenty of encounters. Uh, the year prior, like I said, I had them 10 yards in front of me. I, I mean, if I could have made a good shot, I could have killed them. Um, so, yeah, it was it was tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, he's hanging on someone else's wall right now. Um, he actually got into the record books for that county. I don't want to say what county it was, but he's in the record books for that county. And he wasn't a giant deer, but he was an he was an awesome deer, and he got me excited. And he, I mean, he amped me up, and that's probably the deer that. We all probably have a deer that really kicked it off for us, you know, and that was mine. Um, it's uh, so. it's tough. Bow hunting or hunting in general is tough because you get uh, you get bought into it. You spend a lot of time and energy and thinking about it because you love it, and then when it doesn't go your way, it's uh, it. If you have the personality to have like perseverance and and want to come back and get more and just not give up, it it's addicting. It is addicting. One thing that's addicting to me that draws me to this so much is, I mean, I had a encounter with it today is telling people, you know, how I hunt. They just roll their eyes and, you know, they, people that hunt, they roll their eyes and they think it's, you know, why would you do that? You know, even I said that at one point, why would you hunt like that? Like, there's so many better ways to hunt, but it's almost a thing that I, I don't know if I have the words to, to explain what it is that is so appealing, but uh, I think it takes a special person. And I think anybody listening to this, if they hunt with a traditional bow, they understand. I mean, it's really, you don't, you, there's plenty of people like me that really can't put into words, you know, what draws them to it, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, there are, there is a set of words in a certain order that will explain it perfectly, but you know, I don't know. I can't really explain it. It's just, Maybe it's primitive, maybe it's um, wanting to challenge yourself, and, you know, it's the excitement, and, you know, when you do get deer on camera, you see a deer in, in real life, man, it's, it's that excitement, you know, it's thinking, like, you know, I'm going to be the great white hunter if I can pull this off, you know, and you are, I mean, who else would be if you're not, a uh, hundred inch buck, man, it might as well be a, you know, a Boone and Crockett, if you're hunting traditional, is my opinion, uh, you know, the trophy is in in the eyes of the hunter, you know, and it's, the scoring a deer goes out the window for me. It's um, it's definitely more about the hunt at this point. You you know, you, it's uh, it's about getting inside twenty yards or inside ten yards, getting right up on those deer and just you know dominating the situation. That's what it's about, you know. Um, yeah, it's all gonna come together. It, everything. It's it Jeez. is a it is the uh, the full picture if it works out. So and it does a lot of defeat that comes along with it, with the territory. I, I've experienced that, and we all know that as well, but it's it, uh, it it definitely keeps you wanting to come back for more. There's not times that I can say that I haven't felt like I needed to 
give it up and go to something else. There's been plenty of those, uh, plenty of those conversations or thoughts. But the, the another the big thing about it is is just the idea around you're doing something that this is how it all started. I mean, this yep. this, this style, that style to an extent mm-hmm. is is how it all started. And yeah, like it said, is. It's, it's a simple aspect behind it where it's appealing. You've got a piece of wood, mm-hmm. or may, maybe it's made of something else, and then it's just a string and an arrow, and that's yep. it. And everything else that uh, helps us to uh, you know to take the the opportunity of failure out of a shot is not part of that with a traditional equipment. Yep, absolutely. So. Um, the s- simplicity of it is um, definitely attractive, and um, I'm glad that appealed to me at first, the, uh, it being so, you know, simple, bare bones, if you will. Um, you rely on you. I mean, you trust your equipment. But you, you know, you rely on you to make a good shot. And maybe it's a good thing I missed that deer because I'd probably still be hunting with a compound and or rifle, maybe both. I definitely probably wouldn't have made that switch if I would have found that success and I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. So, you know, it all happens, I guess, for a reason. We'll talk about this too. People can think, well, he hasn't, maybe he hasn't had opportunity yet with traditional equipment or he, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't had a, a failed moment yet. So he, oh, I've it, had, he'll be yeah. back to a, he'll be back to a compound or a rifle in no time. Talk about this past season. This oh yeah. Year, the full, he had a full season. Oh, I had a full season. Hunting with traditional equipment. And talk was, about what happened. It was great. You know, I said I enjoyed that failure um, of my 2019 season. Um, but I really enjoyed the, um, the lessons and the failures of this past year's, um, uh, season. Um, you're special kind of sicko. You enjoyed the, you enjoyed the failure. I learned so much, man. I mean, it it was, it was necessary failure. I mean, it's necessary. Absolutely. I love it, man. You're, you're addicted to the adversity because you know it makes you better. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, if you go out there and you absolutely just dominate at everything. You know, if you go out there and you're just a killer in the woods, I mean, I mean, you know, where, where's the, I mean, yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome to have a trophy room like that. Where's, I mean, where's the fun, you know? Where's the, where's the challenge? That's, that's what I'm looking for. That's really what I want. And it's easy to say that, you know, when you're not in the woods sweating and, and sitting there and not seeing a darn thing. But, you know, when it all comes together, oh, it's going to be sweet. But last year, for instance, I don't even know where to start. I hunted in um, a property um, my, my parents have at their house. Um, I hunted in their backyard. It's 20 acres. There's a little piece of hardwoods. The white oaks fall really good in there. I mean, it's every year. One of those trees is dropping a lot of white oaks. I also I also uh, put corn out there, and that's, you know, that's what these deer were coming to a good bit. But they were also going to those white oaks. Well, I had two bucks. One was this tight it wasn't a basket rack he was bigger than a basket rack but he had an extra like brow tine coming off um he was just a a wacky looking deer and he was not on my radar at all um and then i had another uh eight point i mean he was a great one he was probably if i had to guess he was probably 120 inch eight point awesome for me especially with my with a traditional bow the time i'm hunting with a a bear kodiak uh what is it the magnum i think it was a magnum yeah short little bow i bought it to hunt turkeys with out of a blind little 45 pound bow had some aluminum um, some Easton arrows and uh, 
some some cheap steel force uh, broadheads, and uh, I shot them in the ground. They were dull. It was just you know not great. I tried to sharpen them, but it probably made them more dull. Um, so I'm hunting this deer, man, and this this eight pointer. That's the one I wanted. Been on camera. I actually had a daylight picture of them. So I'm sitting there, sitting there one evening. When it starts to get dark, it's not dark, but it's it's getting dusky. I mean, it, I definitely wasn't doing anything illegal, um, you know. But it was about time to climb down. Um, this big body deer rolls in, and I, I shoot at him, and I'm I shoot 20 yards just because I was so excited and. Now, it was probably 25 yards, I would have to guess, and it was too far of a shot for me at the time. I'll be honest, at the time it was too far. Even right now, I probably wouldn't take that shot again, um, but I freaking smack him. I smack him right in the shoulder. Arrows bouncing, he's going through the woods, and you know, I'm like, awesome. I freaking, I, I freaking smoked him, you know. He's done. Um, Shoot it with Matt's bow. I had put my bow in the closet. No, 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 no. No, okay. Yeah, that was... No, I, I did. I shot it with my Kodiak. Yeah, it wasn't your bow. Yeah, I can't remember when you started shooting that bow when that bow broke. Yeah. Or maybe... Tell them what happened to the bow in the closet. Oh, yeah. It, it just snapped in half because of the heat. Don't put your bows in anywhere that is, is warm. They'll, they'll come apart, and I realized that the hard way right before season. So I can't remember if it was the... It was the Kodiak, okay. So it was the 45 pound bow. Anyways, either way, I call Matt and Mike. I'm like, dude, I got him, man. Smoked him, there's blood, you know. I'm pumped up. And they're like, awesome. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's wait a little bit and let's, let's, you know, gently go in there and see if we, you know, see what we see, you know. Don't want to dive too deep in there. We don't want to bump anything just in case. So we did, we waited. It was the longest way to my life, man. It was the longest way to my hunting career. Um, Cause I was excited. First year I killed, a, I killed an awesome buck with, you know, traditional setup. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Um, so we go in, see a big pile of blood right off the bat. I mean, right at the edge of the, the property. Um, so uh, my folks back up to an airport. So it's just a little small private airport and um, I'm like, well, we don't really, we're not going in there, you know, we're going to have to wait, you know, even though we've got good blood, we're not going in there, so the next day I called, I called the airport, I called their, like, control room where I guess there's someone on call 24-7, uh, and the guy was super nice, he was like, you know, that's above my head, I can't, you know, I can't give you the go-ahead to go in there, I'll have to call my, my supervisor, he's like, I'll get back with you. And I was just thinking, like, this guy's never going to get back with me. He does not care. Well, I mean, a little while later, he calls me. He says, okay, you can go back there and look for your deer because we don't want the vultures flying around on um, on the airport for the planes. And I was like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, uh, he said, but you can't take any weapons. He's like, call me when you go in and call me when you leave. Like, that's, that's a deal. That's, you know, easy instructions. I can follow those. Cool. Well, I said, I'm going in now, you know, we're, we're going in to look for this deer. So, went in, and what did we do, man? We were on, after that big initial pile of blood, we were looking for just pin drops. I mean, we were looking for anything. I mean, it just petered out after no time. It was like, it was a flesh wound. I mean, I just, I, I wounded him, that's all, I mean, it was just a flesh wound. So he stood there for a second after I shot him, and then he, you know, <laughs> I guess that, 
these deer are tough, you know, you know they're tough. They just, um, yeah, oh yeah, I mean, I guess that, that wound just clotted up and he walked off, man, because we saw where he went, I mean, we saw pin drops, I mean, on our hands and knees looking, um, you know, I didn't want to give up on it, we called a dog, dog tracked this thing, yeah, there's deer back there, yeah, there's deer back there, dog tracked this thing, how far was it? How far was it? Do you remember how far we tracked it that day? It was that, that hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands <laughs> plus. Long we tracked it a long way. I was tired. Track, we know. tracked it onto the runway of the of the airport. Um, never found it. So there was my first failure. It sucked. I really hated it, man. It really sucked. I was like, man, this deer is 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 gone. You know, weeks after, I'm 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 just still devastated. I get a call from a guy at work, and he's like, hey, man. He's like, you live out there on that road, don't you? And I was like, yeah. He's like, it's close to, to this road, isn't it? I was like, yeah. He's like, my son-in-law um, saw a dead buck in the woods out there. He was riding down the road. I mean, there was a major highway there. Yeah. He was like, you want to come and check it out? And I was like, yeah, that could be my buck, man. I mean, that's not, I mean, it's from where we tracked it on the runway to where we saw this deer was, um, you know, the way a crow flies 400 yards totally feasible that a deer would run there so i was like okay yeah let's go um got out there and it was a nice uh, eight pointer that had been hit by a car hit by a car probably ran 50 yards to the edge of the woods and um died it had been there for probably a couple of weeks because it was picked clean that you know the antlers were already starting to turn white um i was like nope that's not my deer i was really bummed to find that deer i got so hyped up i sped down there um so uh a little while later, you know, I still got my cameras out. The deer shows back up, and he's got a he's got a scar right on his shoulder. I mean, I hit him. I guess it was no man's land, and all I can guess is I didn't come to full draw. I got excited, didn't come to full draw. I hit him with, you know, a 35-pound bow, you know. It's basically what it was. All it was enough. It was just enough to, you know, cut him. And that's what I did. And he showed back up on camera and acted like nothing happened. He rode the rest of the season out. I still haven't seen him this year. But I'm um, hopeful that he'll um, he'll come back through because that's the beginning of a cool story with that deer. Yeah. Um, Matt took me to a place, um, probably an hour. What was that? Forty-five minutes, an hour away. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful place, man. Just a little piece of private land, and he was like, "I'm gonna set you up in this tree, and you're gonna see deer this morning." It was a cold morning too, man. It was chilly that morning. Whoa. So I'm sitting up there. Sitting in this tree, I mean, perfect spot, right at the top of this ridge. Um, I'm messing around on my phone. I'm in my saddle at this point, messing around on my phone. I look up, and there's a group of deer. I mean, there's like four deer 10 yards in front of me. I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, this is going down. I grab my bow. I knock an arrow. I pull back again. I don't think I came to full draw, and I hit this doe, and... um, I hit her low and it came out of her chest, um, but it didn't, I mean, the fletching must have got hung up in her chest and the arrow stopped because she started bucking and kicking and she ran about 25 yards down the other side of the hill because I'm at the ridge of the hill. She came up one side and down the other uh, and stopped. And she um, she stopped and I could see the blood kind of dropping, you know, I figured I stuck her good and I was like, okay, she stopped. She's going to wobble and fall over here soon. Like, this is awesome. My first traditional bow kill. It's coming right here today. Nothing. 
she's looking around. She's trying to get back with her group because her group went down the way they came, the other side of the hill. So this deer comes back to me. I mean, she walks straight to me again. I knock another arrow. I pull back. I fling one at her. I make sure to go full draw. Dang. I hit her. I hit her high. So first I hit her low. Second I hit her high. Um, Matt's hunting down the hill from me. Um, and he says, he said, well, I texted him after I shot. And uh, I was like, man, I smoked her. Well, I shot the deer and I didn't get any kind of penetration. I mean, it must have went maybe halfway in, almost halfway in. All he said he heard coming through the woods was just ding, 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 ding. That arrow was knocking off of every tree and every limb. Um, we searched for that deer forever, too. The deer was running 100 miles an hour. Yeah. I, I hear that deer breathing <laughs> as she ran by me. Yeah. And was ran down a hill and then back up another hill and then crossed some power lines and then up another hill and out of sight so at that point it was like probably end of january yeah that right and it was so that it was true all the leaves were off the trees yeah so that deer yeah i don't think that deer had any kind of moral wounds at that point i don't know I mean, the deer's probably deer. dead and that's that's tough i i really that was the worst part about it you know it wasn't about the kill for me it was about you know not being able to finish the job after i went out there to to do that and you know i take it seriously when i'm gonna take something's life or try to and um you know that was upsetting. Um, lots of people probably wouldn't share their their fail their failures like like that, but um, I think it's really important to put that out there, especially for traditional bow hunters because we all have them. Um, so a year in, um, I haven't found success yet, but you know not as far as a kill. But that's not how I'm measuring my um, my seasons. Um, I, I would call it a successful season because, man, I, I stuck to it. I didn't pick up anything else but the traditional bow, and that's um, that's enough for me. I learned a lot. I feel like I became much better of a hunter this past uh, season um, from just trying to get close. Like we, you know, name of the podcast is Inside Twenty, and that's for a reason. You're getting close to these deer. You're really hunting them. It's it's primitive. I mean, you can you can smell them at that point. You know, the wind's right. You know, you can see their breath in the morning. You know. You can see the whites of their eyes. Um, that's what you want. I mean, that's why I'm out there. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, my failures are um, also success stories in a way, at least for me. I, I can't say they're, they're total failures because I didn't kill. That would, that would not be um, doing our sport any justice at all, and that's not the mentality you really need to take in the woods, in my opinion. But um, this season I'm feeling confident. I've practiced a lot. We've all practiced a lot. Um, I know we have because I've seen the videos. We all, you know, we all have a group message that we uh, hold each other accountable for practicing. I know Matt sure does. Um, he holds us all accountable. That's for sure. So, um, you know, there's my my failures and my success and um, the things I take away from these seasons. Um, it's kind of how I got into it. And you know, I'll touch on it again. If I if I quit hunting, you know, I'll end up selling my bows because. Um, That'll be the, the end. Of, if I quit traditional, it'll be, you know, no more hunting for me. So, um, I got two boats, and I've used them uh, one or two times this year. I've used one of them two times this year, I believe. Um, fishing's my thing, but this traditional, I'm eating up. It's um, it's tough, you know. So, that's that's where I'm at. It's um, it's fun, but it's it's so challenging and so rewarding and same time 
I can only imagine my first kill. Um, man. Um, Fort, Fort Stewart, down there. I had plenty of opportunities to kill a pig. Plenty. Um, better shots would have definitely um, went home with full coolers, but no, not me. It was. Um, but that was also, man, I had such a good time. I got to spend a few days with some good friends doing the things that we love. We're all passionate about it. Um, so, I mean, if that's not if that's not successful, then you know I don't know what is. Plus, a, a pig was harvested that um, that trip. So hey, in my opinion, if one of us eats, we're all eating. Isn't that right? Yeah, there was, uh, <laughs> was a lot of miles put in for that pig. That's for sure. We walked a lot. But yeah, that's a good story. I think you. Uh, for sure. You definitely have what it takes to, to stay in it for the long term, and I think that's the my goal at least going into it because I've been a part of the uh, plenty of failed situations even before we all started, and the defeat and just the uh, I don't know the stress. You can talk to my wife; she she uh, she's heard about everything, you know, and so she's been right there with it from an emotional standpoint. But the uh, the the now thing for me that's exciting is that. We've got this group of guys, and there's some of us is I feel like is more invested than others, and spend more time and have more time to do it. But there's a group of us now, like you, you mentioned earlier, that we have a group text. And when I started, you know, thank God for Dindy Cromer because he uh, he held me accountable, uh, and was the whole reason that I was able to get into this and, and have stayed with it this long. And it's the guy that I bought a bow from on GON uh, what eight years ago. And so, uh, you know, he, he invested into me. And so having the opportunity to do that with y'all was uh, something that I've longed for for a while. I think it's just hard. Like you said earlier, there has been a, a, a large number of people that I've crossed paths with that either hunt or they don't hunt. Maybe they bow hunt. Maybe they rifle hunt. It, and the, the same reaction you get a lot of the time. It's like, well, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense. Um, I've heard everything under the sun. But if you have that type of personality, uh, to not let that get in your head, then you can uh, you can take that and use it as fuel to want to. Keep, oh, well, that's it's definitely fuel. Keep pushing, and you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna prove them wrong. You know, this is gonna be my story is gonna be. Hey, look at the success that I've had, and not in a boastful way, but just from a um, I guess just from a, a drive aspect. But the group sex thing for me has it has kept me personally more accountable for myself too because I've got a group of guys that we're all trying to do the same thing and practicing has not always been every season for me uh, something that I focus a lot on in the off season like there's oh I'll shoot once every two weeks or I'm busy or I've got stuff going on or I just don't have time to go do that or I don't feel like doing I don't have the energy right now and so having this group I think has been very important I, you know last year we shot a lot both were getting into it, and we sh we practiced a lot last summer, and that was great for me. And I think it paid dividends into my season and the ability to harvest the number of deer that I did this last year, um, and and not as and not have failed, you know, failed sh shots or lost game. Um, that's not to say that, that doesn't happen still, even when you practice a lot. But I think the uh, the the fun part about traditional archery is that, and y'all have seen this, you. You go to a state shoot, maybe somebody's new and wanting to maybe get into it or you think that might have interest in it, maybe they compound hunt currently, but taking them to like a state shoot or some type of gathering, a banquet, 
and the type of people that they get to meet and just the, the kind-hearted, gen, uh, genuine people that they will meet going to these things will draw them in to want to, want to do more. It, they, these people... Top-notch. They, they'll give you the shirt off their back. No doubt. Just, uh, just about every single one of them. <clears throat> and that, to me, that is more important than you meeting somebody who has you know, been highly successful, has got it figured out, quote-unquote, uh, uh, just the, the type of people will keep you coming back for more because they're so supportive and I think that's what it takes in life in general and traditional archery to me is more more equivalent to real life than any type of hunting that I've taken part in because it, there's a lot of failures and then the, the lows are they seem really low and the highs are high and it takes a lot of work and effort and energy and practice and time and dedication uh, and the more you put into it the more you get out of it and I feel like life is very similar to that. It is, um, yeah, it absolutely is. And so the, the the ability to be able to find one or two people, if you're interested in it, that uh, a friend or somebody who's already a part of a group, or just being able to join a, uh, some type of traditional group on social media and have, uh, even if it's an extended connection and it's not somebody who's local, having that, having accountability partners, having people to talk to you about it, that understand what you're going through when you fail it i think that point will it will lengthen the longevity of you you know continuing to stick with it especially if you don't find success right off the bat we've got a rare um situation too i mean before i met you i don't think i met anyone that really hunted exclusively with you know a stick bow you know a piece of wood and a string um and for us to all live in the same town and do this and each found each other you know um you know even though you know me and mike we didn't do it before we met you but to find people passionate enough to stick with it the way we have um even through the failures and successes you know even through all the trials um i think we have something special here and uh it's definitely um it's definitely a great opportunity for us to hold each other accountable and um really build off of that i mean um those are those are definitely building blocks that we can we can work off of um, just having each other and um, yeah traditional archery it, it will be hard for someone to get into and be successful if you don't but it's not to say that you uh, you can't you know yeah. there's plenty of outlets I mean there's plenty of organizations out there um, that would love to have new members and love to share with people that are are new I mean it doesn't matter how old you are how young you are they still would love to share. I mean, I, I can remember going to my second shoot and just um, one particular fella, um, I mean, he he overheard me talking about how I was new to the sport, man. He just, he wanted to talk to me. He said, he said, hey, Tim, come here and sit down next to me. Tell me about yourself, man. I just remember that stuck out to me as I was just like, man, what a, what a great guy. And he was just this old fella um, I had never met before. But man, it was it was it was so nice to to meet people like that, and um, it seems like all the people that you know I meet at these meets are are just really great guys. A lot of them are top notch predators too. I mean, you you wouldn't know it. You can look at these fellows like look at that old man, that you know gray headed old man over there, he's got a cane. But man, you listen to his stories. He's a he's a predator. He killed a dang alligator with a a self bow. You know that's that's tough right there. You know, who does that? Um, so, it's cool. The, the people you get to meet in this sport is um, is awesome. If you want to call it a sport, I mean, some would. Some would say it's more of a, 
a lifestyle choice. Um, I, can, I can tend to agree with that because um, it will consume you. I mean, if you're really passionate, like Matt and Mike and me are, yeah, it's a, it's a lifestyle. So, um, you know, it's fun. It is. I, I wonder what um, you know. I wonder what the qualifications are to to have someone stick with stick with this. I mean, just like anything else, you know, what do you think it is that makes someone want to want to stick with traditional archery or even get into it at first? I mean, it's got to be something that's just bred into you, you know. It's, you know, that's that's what I think. I mean, it's just got to be a drive, you know. It'd be interesting to see if you had a, a group of people take uh, take like a personality test. Yeah. To see if there's common traits. Yeah. I know from a the the type of people like we were talking about earlier. A lot of those, probably those traits, like the woo and stuff like some strength finders, those common traits would probably stick out just because they, they care for other people. They receive gratitude for doing things for other people and not expecting anything in return. It's just, I don't know, it. I've seen that common across the board. And we need more of that in this world. We yeah, there's, defini- like there's definitely a DNA makeup that we all share. Um, I don't know what it is. It's down there deep, but there's something... Um, there's something that we all share. Um, and you know, it could be like anything else, like people that are passionate about falconry or, or golf or whatever. But I don't know. This is just um, feels different to me. I've never been hooked on something like this. And I, I mean, everybody, everybody that I meet uh, at these shoots or traditional archery, especially some of these older guys. I mean, you can look at them and tell they're they're hooked. You know. Yeah. And it's um, it's yeah, great. For there's there's definitely there's definitely something in common with all of us um, outside of just shooting a, a wooden bow, you know. Um, there's something a little deeper. I will uh, I will piggyback off of the absolute you know, the predators. Some of these guys that you you meet, yeah, they're they're definitely passionate. But uh, you know the the reason that you should switch to traditional archery is because it's just as effective of a of a method of you know taking game as anything else. And uh, I think for me, it was it was very helpful to see that personified in, uh, in more than one person. Uh, you know, knowing that it's possible is uh, kind of opens a door. Uh, for me, it was it was uh, like like Tim seeing a, a traditional bow and considering that as a as a viable option. It's just kind of a joke, you know. That's a camp bow. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna go out. <laughs> yeah, Boy Scouts like use those yeah, at summer camp. Yeah, yeah. who wants that, to do that? That's my limited per- perception of it, per- you know, perspective of it, I guess, perception, whatever. Uh, and I'm sure other people share that, uh, just because this is such a, a niche thing, way of hunting, um, which is unfortunate, because like you guys said, it's uh, it's it's where we all came from. You know, once upon a time, there was not compound hunt bow hunters versus traditional bow hunters versus crossbow hunters just bow hunters you know everybody shot the same thing and um i think matt's right you know there's something deep down inside of some of us that want to know that you know we've got what it takes to stand alongside those people that came before us you know i guess deep down inside of me even though i felt like i was doing something great with a compound bow anything except inside 30 yards had a a greater than 50 percent chance of going home with me uh you know that that's a a, a huge leap of faith to, to jump into something where you're out of your comfort zone, but you know, I guess you, you kind of have to look at that as leveling up. And, and anytime you do that, there's going to be a learning curve, and you have to you have to uh, put the time in. Like Matt said, I think that um, it, it definitely 
definitely is important to have accountability partners. No, no matter how strong you are, if you're a lone wolf, I mean, there, there's probably somebody in your life that either ignited the flame or fanned it, you know, to, to get you to where you're at today. And so, uh, you know, surround yourself with, with like-minded people. If you don't have people, then you put in the time and, and, and effort to create those people, just like you're building a business and hiring employees. You know, you, you, uh, you create the environment, and, and I think that you can have something great as we have, or maybe even greater, you know, it's a... Very helpful, and I think that when you have a group uh, with, a, with a common goal, uh, growth for all members is, is accelerated. You know, and in something like this, where uh, there have there's a lot of things that have to go right for, for you know for you to have success. You know, what most people define success is successfully taking an animal and, and you know feeding a family or you know put some on the wall, whatever. Um, a lot of things have to go right, especially with a traditional bow. You know, like like Tim said, inside 20 yards, you know, you got to make that that shot. And, and just practicing uh, with a rifle or compound can, you know, it, it definitely uh, lends itself to, to you hunting with a traditional bow because there's really no other way to, to train for for taking animals' life except by doing it. You know, you can shoot a target all day long, but until you you actually stand within, you know, a, a of a kill zone of, a, of an animal and, and try to hold yourself, hold your composure and, and make an ethical shot and, you know, listen and look and, you know, not get down. and. My heart you know, doesn't throb when I'm shooting at a target. I'll tell you that much. I love it. <laughs> I love shooting at targets, but my heart does not beat out of my chest when I'm shooting at a target. And, I mean, that beat in your chest goes all the way down to your fingertips and your toes, man. Yeah. You get weak in the knees. I mean, at least I do. When I shot that, when I shot that doe two times this uh, this past season, man, even a doe, I mean, it was a good size nanny doe. I mean, my heart was beating. I mean, as soon as I saw her, as soon as I look up and I see her, my heart starts beating. So, yeah, I, I, that's absolutely correct. I mean, it's, um, it's different. So It is. And something that was told to me that kind of opened me up, opened my eyes, uh, and it'll probably do the same thing. No offense to any call, uh, you know crossbow hunters or, or compound hunters. I mean, uh, do your thing, but I never shot my compound like I do this this traditional. But there's rarely a day that goes by without without you know wanting to to shoot it, uh, shoot the traditional bow, longbow recurve. Um, you know, it's either by myself or, or with these guys uh, looking forward to events and, and that sort of thing. Just didn't didn't exist before. So it, there's a there's a lot that I missed. Uh, you know, just just learning to 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 use my weapon of choice and, and be, you know let, allowing that to become one with me. And even still, man, I'm, I'm I'm still messing up. Matt's still messing up. He's been doing this much longer than all of us. So this, this is what I was told that I can't forget now. It, it really helped me to to make the the jump. With a compound bow, if your sights are on and your stabilizer and everything is good to go, you get tuned in. You're pretty much lining up the sights and pulling the trigger the exact same way you are with a rifle. There, I mean, I said it. That's that's reality. Somebody said that to me, and it's true. Whether you want it to be true or not, uh, it's an arrow. But there's very little that you're doing um, to to get that arrow to its intended target. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Even with a even with the compound, I mean, I think it's a good transition weapon. It is um, for sure. And you know, disclaimer: probably should have said this at the beginning. We we are one hundred percent traditional. I mean, we don't we don't really cater to anything else besides. I mean, we love to 
anybody that hunts with anything, uh, whether it be a, a, a stick and a, a rock or a, a rifle or whatever. I mean, you know, we um, we accept it all, but I mean, you know, we uh, for us, it's uh, it's purely traditional uh, archery. So uh, we cater to that, but uh, you know, you know, it's um, it, it's 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 tough. Uh, it's tough to to not sound. Um, to not sound up biased when you're uh, when you're sure. when you're uh, well sure. when you think you're a predator at least you know sure. when you're going out in the woods with a, a stick and a string sure. uh, so no well and, and again like what Tim just said there's no judgment because we all came from that was the purpose of this podcast yeah, absolutely. to share you know I I started as a rifle hunter I was nine or ten years old my granddad took me out sat me in the box blind still standing you know something he made. And I've hunted five years until I shot my first year. So it's not like once a year, twice a year, you know, a couple times I'd come see my granddad. And I'd sleep. He'd wake me up. It's like, there's a deer. Shoot it. <laughs> yeah. I had no skin in the game. No preparation. Nothing. Yeah. Like I was, you know. And yeah. uh, That was me too. Yeah. And I eventually did, you know. And eventually, thank God, I had a friend that, that introduced me to, to compound bow hunting. And I thought I was something else doing that uh, until Matt came along. And, and you can't unhear that... Uh, you know, a compound bow is like a rifle. You can't hear that, that a traditional bow is a viable way of taking an animal. You can't hear that you're capable of doing it if you put your mind to it. I would say even with a compound, though, um, a compound has its challenges um, that rifles don't. Um, you don't have to be as close as a traditional bow. Sure. So Angles it, it, don't play in as much. You can shoot yeah. something quartering to you, whatever yeah, that ab- ab- you're, Absolutely. You're right. So, I mean, there is still that element. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, I think we kind of all think the same way. It's um, it's, it's kind of a, it's a ladder. You, you start it, I, I, the only way I can really say it is you start the first step. It's, it's your rifle, you know. You start there, and if you want to. Uh, your second step is either you move to a crossbow or you move to a compound. Some people do both. Um, uh, but then you take that third step and you start moving into things that are a little more challenging. I mean, like anything in life, you know, whether you go to college or not, you know, it's like, take college, for instance. You start out with your core classes, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're easier, they're easier. And then you start getting, you know, your field of study, which is, for us, is traditional archery, you know. And that's when it gets tough, you know. I, I believe it, it hasn't gotten any easier. If anything, it's gotten a lot harder. Um, you know, I think often about what it must have been like for Matt to get started, um, to reach out to someone and not know not know if you're going to have any help through this. Um, you know, that'd be tough. Um, I think Matt's success um, is because he's very perseverant, but also I think Dendy did play a big role in that. And I, I mean, I'm sure he'll tell you that. Um, I, I don't know if I could have stuck with it, um, not having, you know, kind of a mentor and someone to guide me. Some, like I said, someone to help me tune my arrows. Even a year in, I'll try to tune an arrow, and I just, you know, I suck at it. I'll get better, but, I, you know, I'm not great at it. Um, so that's got to be tough to um, to yeah. dive headfirst into this and, <laughs> you know, not know if you're going to have a mentor. And his mentor's what, hours away, you know. For yeah, me, he's... Hard. 10 minutes down the road, I call them, hey man, um, let's get together and you help me tune these arrows up so they fly straight. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next time when we speak with Matt about his journey to tread.